Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same-game parlays, all on one page. Plus, Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome in. It is a Thursday in a Friday edition of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski, as we close down the month of February. And I'm not going to lie to you folks. I was just talking about this with Stefan a few moments ago. This has been, for me, one of the weirdest weeks I've had in a long, long time. And I think it has everything to do with this calm before the storm type of nature. I'm a very busy guy. I think you guys all know that. I like working. I am probably a workaholic to a fault where I like crave this shit. I want news. I want stuff to react to. I want to be going nuts. Like that's just, it's the way I live. And let's be real. In New York, from Last March on, it was absolute insanity. So this week, yes, there's some stuff we're going to get to with Daniel Jones and his contract and him changing agents and what that means and the darkness retreat for Aaron Rodgers and what we have coming up in the second half with the Knicks and the Nets, uh, some big games over the final 20. I looked at this week. It was like the perfect reset for me. I just wish the weather was a little bit nicer so I could have played a little bit more golf. Only got out on Monday near Benengo. Couldn't make a putt. But this week was like, okay, charge it up, big boy. 
because we're about to rev up the engines in a big way once we hit the month of March between the Giants and what they have going on with these contracts with Jones and with Barkley, the Jets and what they're going to do with quarterback, the baseball team starting to ramp it up. You're going to have that WBC, which I cannot. Listen, it's cool to watch. It beats spring training. I'd much rather watch a WBC game than a spring training game any day of the week. But I'm going to be losing my mind if any of the New York athletes get hurt in this thing. Like, when I see Diaz throwing 101 miles an hour, ramping it up, trying to win, that's going to give me the heebie-jeebies if I'm a Mets fan. And, and you can try to lie, and you can try to say, oh, it's great for their country, it's it's getting them ready, blah, blah, blah. This time of the year in baseball is about easing in. It's not necessarily about the idea of, oh, we're going to ramp it up and go 0-100 to real quick. Got to be careful with that. But with all this stuff going on, March is going to be absolutely insane around here. Absolutely insane. Now, a couple of things. Daniel Jones was a weekly guest of our podcast and was terrific. Had the season of his life. I think we all assume he's going to be back with the Giants. I know I most certainly assume he's going to be back with the Giants. But the idea that he changed agencies on Sunday, we brought it up very, very quickly. Sunday pod became official on Monday, leaving CAA, going to athletes first. You're trying to figure out what that means. Is Jones not happy with his negotiation? Does Daniel Jones want more money? There were the reports that came out that said he's looking for $45 million a year, which sounds absurd considering Patrick Mahomes makes $46 million a year. We like Daniel Jones. We are believers of Daniel Jones. I don't think there's any question about that. He's not a $45 million a year quarterback. How did the Giants figure this out over the next few weeks? It's fascinating. You're going to hear from Danny Heifetz in a little bit. You don't want to be in a position where you have no flexibility two or three years from now. But within the next two to three years, there is no debate to me on who the Giant quarterback is going to be. It's Daniel Jones. And after what you saw last year, and when you consider you didn't have a whole lot to work with, quite frankly. Of course you want him to be the quarterback. Any John fan who's going to say otherwise didn't pay attention, didn't watch games last year. Of course you want Daniel Jones to be the quarterback. But you don't love the idea of slapping a franchise tag on DJ because of what it means for the rest of the roster. That's what Joe Shane has got to figure out over these next few weeks. Yes, they want Jones back. Yes, they want Barkley back. But they also have to improve this team pretty significantly. That was on full display if you watched them against the Philadelphia Eagles. Anybody wondering, oh, the Giants not going to bring Daniel Jones. That's nonsense. Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback of this team. And if you think otherwise, listen to John Mara. Gosh, at the end of last season. And think about the comments that he has made over time over these last few years. We failed him. We didn't do right by him. They're going to take care of Daniel Jones. But they want to put themselves in a position where they take care of him for the next few years. He's compensated. But they're also not at a point where, hey, four years from now, it's not panning out the way they want it to pan out. And they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. That's kind of that slippery slope that the Giants are working towards. and. I tweeted this out earlier today. 
if you are of the mindset that free agency is where the Giants are going to go and get better at the wide receiver position, um, let me read off this list of names. Most receptions in 2022 amongst wide receivers scheduled to be free agents. It's Juju Smith-Schuster, Jacoby Myers, Paris Campbell, Alan Lazard, and Matt Collins and Richie James. Think about that for a minute. You think the Giants are upgrading at wide receiver via free agency, you are gravely mistaken. It is about the draft. Maybe it's getting creative and making a trade. That's the way the Giants got to do it. But that requires some maneuverability with salary cap space. That is the angle. That is the element that's at play. It's not that Daniel Jones is going to leave. It's, is Daniel Jones going to put us in a position where we can't upgrade in other areas? That's what the language of the contract comes to the forefront and why it's important. I know it's boring at times and tedious at times to think about some of the mumbo-jumbo with all this stuff. But that's where the Giants have to be careful. So, seems like he wants a little more. I think it will be messy. I, I think he'll sweat a little bit. Ultimately, you'll get Daniel Jones back as quarterback of the New York Giants. Now, I did not go on a darkness retreat with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe Danny Heifetz did. We'll have to find out. We're going to have answers with what he's thinking. The stuff with Carr about the Hall of Fame nonsense was weird. I, I got to be honest. That was I, I don't know what kind of selling point that was. Basically, all you got to tell Derek Carr, if you win in New York, I'm sorry, it matters more than other places. Maybe that's the New York Homer and me coming out. Well, tough shit if it is. That's the truth. Think about guys that have won here and how it is life-altering for them. It is legacy-altering for them. Just think about media for a minute. Do you think Michael Strahan is having the career he is having with Kelly Ripa and Good Morning America and zillions of dollars? If he played in, I don't know, Cleveland, no chance. No chance. That's the brand off the field. On the field, it's just, it's different. It's different. My selling point to car, if you ever can win here, that's going to speak for itself. Don't worry about the Hall of Fame. You're going to be the toast of New York freaking city. You know what that means? That, to me, is the selling point. So I, I don't know why they went in the Hall of Fame direction. I, I guess the point is the Jets haven't won in a zillion years, and if you're the quarterback to do it, maybe they'll just put you in the Hall of Fame. If that's it, okay, it's weird. Like, I heard that the other day from Rossini. I'm like, this is this is a weird story. Just tell them it's New York City. You win here. It's, it's the best place to be. All the guys I talk to that come on these shows, with me, who have played here. When they go, when it's going good in New York, where else would you want to be? Now it's going shitty in New York. You don't want to be here. So you got to be aware of that too. The Jets are going to have themselves a veteran quarterback. Gut feel, I think they want Rodgers. I think he's their number one choice. Do I think Aaron Rodgers wants to be here? As I've said multiple times, I don't know. I'd probably bet on no. And I think if they don't end up with Aaron Rodgers, it's Carr, Garoppolo, one or the other. But that's the overhanging story in Jetland. 
You thought maybe Cora would sign over the weekend. Doesn't happen. Now, seems like they're going to play it out. Bring it on. I'm sure you'll have more news, more updates, combine, free agency, all that good stuff. Now, two things I want to hit on before we hit. A couple calls, high fits, and then the last of our stuff from Arizona out of Radio Row. Knicks and Nets back in action on Friday. And I was asked this question earlier today. Who is more likely to find themselves in the plan? Because you look at the top four in the Eastern Conference, pretty sad. Brooklyn is the five. Two games ahead of the Knicks, who are the six. Miami, half game behind. And then the gap between the Atlantas and the Wizards and the Raptors is a little bit more significant. Could change, but significant. So if we're being real here, Brooklyn, the Knicks, Miami, one of those teams is going to be on the outside looking in. I love what Jacques Vaughn has done. He deserves that contract extension. Good on the Nets. Kept that team together when it could have easily fallen apart. With Irving acting like an ass. With the rank going down. With those guys getting traded, they have kind of hung in. They're still 10 games over 500. That said, the Nick upside now is higher than the net upside. Net fan is going to hear that. With all their wings and all their versatility, they're a tough team to play. Best player in town is now Madison Square Garden. And with Hart coming to the Knicks, bringing that toughness, bringing that edge off the bench, that was a very nice pickup. Very, very nice pickup. Because you see that chemistry and that camaraderie, it is there with Brunson and Hart immediately. I'm now at the point where I expect the Knicks to be a top six seed. If they're not, I'm going to be disappointed. It's possible Brooklyn and the Knicks both find themselves in the top six. But I'm going to say if one is more likely to fall out of this thing, I'm putting my money on Brooklyn. Even with them having a two-game leg up on the Knickerbockers. And all of a sudden, that game, next Wednesday, Knicks Nets on March the 1st to Madison Square Garden. Takes on a little extra sizzle. Knicks schedule right out of date is not easy. They're at the Wizards, hosting New Orleans, and then listen to this calling. Boston, Brooklyn, at Miami, at Boston. And then they got a West Coast trip coming up. Anytime the Knicks see Big East tournament time, you know they're on the road. And they'll be on the West Coast for a long, long time. We got the Clippers, Sacramento, a couple of tough teams. I still think the Knicks, FanDuel, adjust the win total, 43 and a half. Take it now. Thank me later. And they will find their way to the top six. Speaking of win totals, before we hit calls, this is like the first look at the MLB over-unders. And there's only one that I've bet. There's only one I've bet. In case you're wondering, the highest total is for the Dodgers and the Astros at 95 and a half wins. No surprise there. The Yankees and the Mets have the same total at the moment. It's third and fourth, tied with the Braves. 94 and a half. Remember, the scheduling's a little different this year. It's balanced. So you're not playing the Marlins and the Braves and the Phillies 18 times or the Red Sox and the Orioles. No, no, no. You got more central teams. Got more west teams. More balance. I like it. I like it. But it changes the handicap for how you're going to do these over-unders. 94 and a half for the Yankees and the Mets. Good numbers. Tough numbers. 
not ready to give a pick on that. I am ready to give a pick. The Angels at 81 and a half is an absolute hammer. Hammer the under. Between Trout never playing, Otani basically wanting out, that team has no pitching to speak of. Zero. And the division is better. Seattle's good. The Rangers added Evaldi and DeGrom, and they hit. And the Astros the Astros. That's Hammer City. You could get 81 and a half with the Angels, please. Send me the royalties after the end of this year. There is no way the Angels are finishing with a winning, with a winning record. No way. Not with that team. Way too top-heavy. Not good enough. They're a mess. Please. 81 and a half? That's, that's like taking candy from a baby. I'm not confident on that one. Angels, 81 and a half. My goodness. Love, 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 love. All right. Before we hit all spots, we'll start with high fits, then do a bunch of stuff from Radio Row. Uh, let's take a couple of calls. Uh, 917-382-1151. Get in my way for Sunday. We'll have some fun. All sorts of stuff. Um, let's hear them. Let's go. What's up, JJ and Brad from NYC? Wanted to give you a call during the All-Star break and discuss uh, R.J. Barrett. So, especially with um, with who was drafted ahead of him in his class, you got Zion and Ja. Even though um, you know Zion hasn't played much, there's no doubt he's a superstar when he does play. I, I, I'm coming to terms with R.J. and the fact that he's not a superstar, but also he's not like a boss. Like people are freaking out about him. There's no reason for that. I think it's time for Tibbs to just call it what it is. He can be one of the best six men in the NBA. You know, why he should not be starting anymore. He should have as much time as possible being the number one option on the floor. So obviously he's not going to be the number one when Brunson and Randall are on the floor, but he can be a great six man. You can put him in for, I don't know, 20 minutes a game running the second unit. And then it's, then if you want, you can play him a little bit with the starters as well. But I, I, I just don't see it. His game isn't, you know, he's not the type of player that can be the third option and still, you know, be a great third option. Now, I know he gets 20 a game. He's one of the only players in the NBA that gets 20 a game as the third option on the team. But, you know, I'm ready to just call it what it is. Have him be the sixth man of the year for the next two to three years, and we'll go from there. Love the show. Go Nick. And uh, let's start talking Aaron Rodgers to the Jets, huh? Uh, we'll see if Brad is going to go enjoy himself at Darkness Retreat. Appreciate the call. Um, forget about who's starting games. That, to me, is a whole lot to do about nothing with R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett has been disappointing so far this season. He has been very inconsistent. He has been unable to master his jump shot. We all know that. At the end of these games, you've noticed a lot over the last couple of weeks, Barrett, at times, has not been a part of the closing lineup. They've seen more quickly. And now that they've brought Josh Hart into the mix, what does that mean? I think Barrett has to earn his way into that crunch time rotation. He'll be a part of it, but he has to play well. He's got a decent amount of pressure on him over these next few weeks. Because you make the argument, Robinson coming back, their best five at the end of these games does not include Barrett with the way he's played this year. That would be a big... It would be Brunson, it would be Randall, it would be Hart, and then maybe a guy like Emmanuel quickly. You could make that argument. And I think Tibbs will play matchups, and I, I don't think he's going to play favorites. I don't. So forget about who's starting. I don't care who starts. At 
the end of the game, when the game is on the line, who's on the court? That's what I want to know. Who's next? Hey, JJ, it's Anthony from Tom's River. I had to get your take on Aaron Boone's latest uh, soundbite with uh, Josh Donaldson. You know, it just seems like the Yankees and the, the top brass of Boone and Cashman can't stay out of their way when they make these comments uh, whenever the chance the media gets the chance to talk to them. But saying that Donaldson's going to have a back, bounce back here and you'd be crazy to not think that. And, you know, obviously I'm hopeful. You know, he's on the team. He's a Yankee. So, you know, you got to, you know, you know, cheer for the uniform. But I just don't understand why the, you know, Cashman and Boone especially are just too stubborn to admit certain mistakes. They, they seem to be stuck with Donaldson, stuck with IKF and his defense. They just never seem to, they almost have to feel like they're, they're smarter than you and they're the smartest people in the room and they can't admit it. And as fans, you know, we can acknowledge when we know something's not working. And we were hoping that we were able to move them this offseason and we couldn't. Um, but to just say things like that is just a little bit silly and irritating. And I just want to get your thoughts on, on that comment. Take care, JJ. I'm glad that you brought this to my attention because I got a couple of tweets about this one um, when Aaron Boone made the comment on February the 21st. Tone down. Absolutely tone down. I don't expect him to bash his player. But when you lecture members of the media about being crazy, or a fan is crazy. If, oh, if you don't think Josh Donaldson can have a bounce back season, oh, just look at the back of the baseball card. Well, let's acknowledge the age factor now for Josh Donaldson, who is a player that is cruelly in decline, was awful last year outside of a, a couple of walk-off hits and a good weekend at Fenway Park. The guy stunk. The guy absolutely stunk. And the only reason he was playing in September and October is because DJ LeMay was hurt. Otherwise, Josh Donaldson didn't deserve to be in the everyday lineup. He's going to be a whipping boy all year. Donaldson and heaven forbid they put IKF at shortstop. They do not want to put IKF at shortstop. They can say whatever they want now. It's Peraza or Volpe. It's as simple as that. Those guys have all March. Show me what you got. And by opening day, when the Yankees are taking on the San Francisco Giants, one of those guys has to be the shortstop. I don't care who it is. Best man for the job. I think it's going to be Peraza. He's more big league ready. His glove is there. I think that's obvious. I don't understand why he didn't play shortstop the entire month of September. I hope they don't screw it up at shortstop again. I hope. Donaldson, unfortunately, is going to be a part of the team. They would never find a trade partner. He was awful last year. He makes a ton of money. He's not going anywhere. I would like to hear from the Yankee brass. Good track record. We hope he bounced back. It's got to be much better. But but to insult, oh, you're crazy. You, you, you don't think he can bounce back. No, I, I don't think I'm crazy. I think I'm crazy in a lot of ways. I think the idea of him bouncing back is far crazier than me suggesting that he's done. Just a little food for thought. What's the crazier thought, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? I ask you, am I crazy to think that the end is here for Josh Donaldson or am I the crazy one because... The bounce back is coming. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They got a little too cute over there. They really do. The good news is if DJ Omeyu is a force and a factor, maybe Donaldson is not as important as team. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, let's take one more. JJ, Johnny Krause, Buffalo, New York. Great golf with you last week with my son out in Phoenix. Keep working on that short game. You got good things in front of you. 
All the best, my friend. My God, Johnny. And I mentioned my golf round last week or two weeks ago out in uh, Scottsdale. I played like the first five holes by myself. and I was playing poorly. I was not playing well. And you never want to be that guy to join up with a group. Like, I love playing with people. But listen, I talk to people all the time. So for me, you know, it's like, yeah, they got to follow something going. Like, they're on the part three. I said, you guys go ahead. I don't want to ruin your vibe. Then you see it back up, and it's like, you know what? These are good guys. Let me get in with them. They were awesome, despite the fact that they're Buffalo Bills fans. I won't hold that against them. Just like good salt of the earth, central New York, western New York, good kind of folk. We had a great round of golf. And John did not mention that beautiful 17, seven iron, like 155 from the pin that I thought might have had a chance to go in. Didn't birdie that sucker, but we parted. Short game needed some work, though. I mean, listen, that, that course I played had 10 zillion, 10 zillion traps. Oh, my God. It was out of control. Every other, every other piece of land on the course was a sand trap. So uh, good hearing from my guy Johnny in Buffalo. Hope he's doing well. All right, here's what we got coming up. Danny Heifetz on everything you need to know about Jones, Barkley, how the Giants can get this right over the next few weeks. We'll have that. Then, the last of our stuff from Radio Row. We got a nice array of interviews. We'll have actor from Transformers, Hamilton, The Heights, Anthony Ramos, big New York guy. You're going to enjoy that conversation. We will have Adam Venateri, who to me is a future Hall of Famer. He was trying to help Gronk out with that kick. Didn't go so particularly well, but he will join us. And then it's nice talking to a mogul every now and again. Bob Parsons, who has a golf brand based out of Arizona, former founder of GoDaddy. He was doing some stuff out there. So we had a little fun with him. So we got a nice little smorgasbord. And this is the end of our spots here on Radio Row from Arizona. It was a great couple of days out there. Bunch of spots over these last few shows. And then all of a sudden you look, it's the end of February. So. Heifetz into the end of Radio Row. That's coming up next. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So Daniel Jones has new representation. Daniel Jones apparently wants $45 million a year. And this is what happens in the month of February. You have a story like this and it kind of like takes on legs of its own because I think everybody's waiting for NFL free agency. Everybody's waiting for the NFL combine. I know I'm just waiting for the NCAA tournament, baseball, and all this stuff to start. But a guy who likes a little speculation, uh, we spent some time in Arizona. He was always 
as per usual, in fine form. Uh, he brought his A game. No surprise there. Uh, the ringer's extraordinaire, Danny Heifetz. Pal, welcome back. How are you? I'm wonderful, man. How are you doing? Um, first things first, uh, and I know we got to get to Daniel Jones. I have some thoughts. You have some thoughts. Uh, how did you enjoy your Super Bowl week in, in Arizona? Now that we are a couple of weeks removed and you settled back in, I know it took me a while to get settled back in. Um, how would you grade the week in Arizona, my man? I said nine out of 10. I get why everyone's moving there and I get why they're running out of water because everyone's moving there. It's it's like I, waste management's crazy. The, the week of Phoenix is a really cool city. Uh, it was great. And the game was amazing. Uh, it was an amazing game. I wasn't particularly thrilled about the way it wrapped up, but that is a story for a different day. <laughs> um, you know, uh, while it was a little lighter a- after that one, Danny Heifetz. And you know what? I get what I deserve because everyone I talked to all week, Eagles, 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 Eagles. And, you know, well, you they, anytime to that's me. the case. I would have told you the Chiefs were going to win. I think you did. And I chose to go against your advice. So I shame say, on I gotta, me for that. I I understand how you feel about the end of the game because I, I got caught by a speed camera the other day. I was going 31 in a 25, and I think that that's oh, probably that, the... Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. 31 in a 25 yeah, and I they think that's you the, for a speed camera? That's the James that's Bradbury holding, though. It's like, yeah, it was a That's a it was speeding. That's, it was, it was yes. James Bradbury speeding, but, you know, it was like 31 in a 25. I, I, I'm going to use that now. So if I ever get in trouble with a speed camera and I like fight my defense and I try to, you know, instead of just paying a fine and taking my medicine, <laughs> I'm going to go to court. and I'm going to say, you know, it, it was a James Bradbury speeding ticket. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I think that'll work, especially if the judge one, is an Eagles fan. Oh, especially if the judge is an Eagles fan. All right, buddy, let's get down to business. Um, First things first. You find out Monday. Daniel Jones leaving CAA, going to athletes first. Big deal? Not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's, I mean, I mean, for us, ultimately, probably not. But yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, you know, there's a reason that he switches agencies and it comes out he wants $45 million a year. I would say that I love Danny Dimes with emphasis on dimes. I think Danny, $45 million a year, doesn't really have the same ring to it. And that's kind of like the crux of the whole conversation. $45 million a year sounds problematic, but you know the quarterback market, you know inflation, you know what happens when someone gets to the open market. He's never going to get to the open market, though, Heifetz. You know it and I know it. This, to me, is a question of can the Giants work out a long-term deal that's fair and reasonable because you don't want to franchise him. If they franchise him, I, I long-term it doesn't hurt you, but for this team next year, and what you want to do next year as far as improving the roster, getting help at wide receiver, getting help on that defense that got absolutely smoked by the Eagles in the divisional round. Heifetz, <laughs> they're going to have a hard time making any move whatsoever if they got to slap that franchise tag on Daniel Jones. You think there's any chance that happens? Yeah, of course there's a chance. I mean, he just changed agents right before. I mean, they've been the, the people he fired have been his agents since he was drafted. You know, he's had them for four years. So, I mean, the fact that he fired them, yeah, I think absolutely anything's on the table here. I think that it's, I don't know where you want to start because I think part of this, it's like all these terms we just throw around. I, I, I don't know if you want, sometimes I think it's worth defining what franchise tag actually means. No, I, I totally get that. Because listen, it's like this capologist nonsense where the salary cap can get tricky. And yeah, obviously it, teams 
know how to master it better than the common NFL fan. So, yeah, uh, give us a little Encyclopedia 101, please. <laughs> Let me do a little glossary up top. A franchise tag is like, to the player perspective, it's a giant middle finger. It's you're going to be a free agent. And mind you, the first four years of the contract are already capped of what you can make. Then, all right, free agency, all right, I'm actually going to get to negotiate with multiple businesses who want my services. And, and franchise tags, F you, actually, you have to work for us for one more year and a non-negotiable number. You have to, so Daniel Jones, you have to come back to the Giants for $30 million. You're not allowed to talk to the other 31 teams. Players hate it. So the Giants are able to do that. I agree with you. I don't think that they would let Daniel Jones go to free agency and then to franchise tag Saquon Barkley. You can only do it to one player. That's the key dynamic here is Saquon and Daniel Jones are both going to be free agents if the Giants do nothing. Worst case is they, they both want to go to free agency and the Giants have to tag one of them. Now, the best case scenario is they come to a deal with either Daniel Jones or Saquon, and they tag the other one. So that's the, the base dynamic we're working with. How we go about the whole Daniel Jones thing, the Saquon stuff, I think that it really comes down to how good you think Daniel Jones is. And then also it's like the idea of quarterback purgatory. That's really what we're talking about here. So it's like, ideally, yeah, it's like you want Patrick Mahomes. You have Josh Allen. You have Joe Burrow. That would be great. There's only three of those guys, right? Reality, the Giants did pass on Justin Herbert, but realistically, you also don't want to be the Houston Texans. No one here listening wants to root for Davis Mills to be your quarterback in 2023 and beyond. Like, no one wants this. So the question becomes, really, do you get stuck in quarterback purgatory? Where this is Kirk Cousins. This is Andy Dalton. Like 10 years ago with the Bengals, Andy Dalton. This is Kirk Cousins with the Vikings now. A quarterback good enough to make sure he never gets replaced, but not good enough that you'll win a to Super Bowl. To get you to the top of the mountain. And so, that's, a, that's a great way to look at it. Um, the best way to avoid that, though, is that a contract where you give Daniel Jones good money for two or three years, each year maybe gives you within, let's say, Heifetz, they set it up. He's the quarterback the next two years. I think most Giant fans would be A-OK with that. The third year, the Giants maybe are able to finagle themselves out of the contract. Would you deem that best-case scenario from the team's perspective, realistically? Yes, I think so. I don't know how much contract legalese you want to get into. I can actually explain more than I'm actually proud to admit of how the contract I know you're dumbing it down works. for us, which we appreciate but, around here. I would say that the way to explain this is the salary cap is real, kind of, but the, the contracts are fake in that, remember when Patrick Mahomes got $500 million for like 12 years? That was a six-year deal for $190 million. Like that, it's all, it's all fake and we don't have to get into it, but basically it's about the guaranteed money. That's what all this is about. And so the Giants are on the verge of Kirk Cousinsing this situation. And the point, and what that means is fundamentally, the franchise tag is a bet against the player. The franchise tag is saying, I'm offering you $10 million and Saquon, and maybe, you know, maybe the Giants are offering apparently Saquon $12 million a year. And Saquon maybe wants 15 The Giants are saying, well, guess what? The franchise tag's 10 So we're going to tag you, and then it goes up every year. Use it. So 10 and then the next year would be 12 and the next year would be like 15 or 16 And the, But when you franchise tag a quarterback, you're betting that Daniel Jones won't play well. Because if Daniel Jones plays well, every year you wait and it expires, the price keeps going up. So the, the brass tax of it is the Giants franchise tag Daniel Jones this year, it's $30 million. Then it would be like 39 And then it would be like $54 million. So you could look at that as, oh, well, they could tag him twice in a row. And that's basically a two-year contract for $70 million. 
That's why, I know this is too much legalese, but the point is, that's why the floor for Daniel Jones is $35 million. Because if Daniel Jones crosses his arms and says, I'm not going to talk to you guys, they have to tag him. And they have to do it twice in a row, probably. And so they have to basically pay him $70 million over the next two years anyway, unless they're going to get rid of him. So the floor, it's not going below $35 million. And that's okay. I know it sounds nuts. Patrick Mahomes makes 45. The 45 is outrageous, but that's negotiation, right? You ask for more than you think you're going to get. That's what's going on here. Jared Goff makes about 33, 35 million. Kirk Cousins make 35 million. That's about how good Daniel Jones is. And I know that's, that's an, the going rate for yeah. an average, above average starting quarterback. He's a middle that's class quarterback. And I, again, I know these numbers sound insane. And I don't, honestly, it feels a little slimy to say 35 million, reasonable, but no big deal. I, so I, I, if I'm getting too in the weeds, stop me. But part of the other thing is if you're wondering, Eli Manning made 200 ish million in salary his whole career. So, like, how does Daniel Jones asking for almost 50 million? It's actually like inflation. It's like the Fed prints money and then there's more money in inflation. The NFL prints money. Salary cap is a percentage of revenue. Daniel Jones is going to make twice as much as Eli Manning did. Because, because the, the revenue NFL is, is a lot more now than it was 15, yeah. 20 years ago. The of course. Yeah, the Giants quarterback salary will double because the NFL revenue's doubled. It's just that. So the question is, is Daniel Jones worth one-sixth of the Giants cap? That's what this conversation is. Forget all the money. Forget all the stuff. Is he worth 15% or 14% of the Giants cap? That's the conversation. The short answer is that Patrick Mahomes is the only Super Bowl quarterback that's won with a percentage that big in a long time. It's it's unless you have Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, famously took the discounts. It, Patrick Mahomes is the guy, and this is the same problem with Saquon. You look at the the payments of the running backs, the highest paid running back on all these Super Bowl teams. It's like eight hundred thousand bucks. It's a million bucks. It's two. Now, could the 49ers have gone and won the Super Bowl this year? Maybe with Christian McCaffrey. But the point being. Paying these guys is probably both what the Giants should do and also completely bucking all the things we've learned. Overpaying for Jones is probably not awesome. Overpaying for Saquon's probably not awesome. They probably have to do both, though. With the year they had, with the performance of each of those two players, and you go to the divisional round of the playoffs, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. I expect both of these guys back on the team. I, I do. Now, could it get messy? Sure. Could there be some nasty rhetoric at times? Sure. But I think we'll be sitting here next year. Week one rolls around. Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are here. Who's more likely? Actually, forget about more likely. If you're the GM, who would you rather slap that franchise tag on? Barkley it's the or same Jones? answer. I'll give you the same answer for what's more likely and what I think it's going to happen and what I would do, which is you don't let Daniel Jones leave. Like I, I love Saquon. Saquon's wonderful. He's the hardest working player on the team, the most talented player on, on the team, maybe one of the most talented players in the league. And he's a role model for all the other players and in the community, model citizen. Having said that, you don't let, you don't keep 26-year-old running backs so to get rid of 25-year-old quarterbacks. That's just not 100%. how this works. It's just not 100%. how it works. And also, the other layer to this, the reason I don't think Daniel, Daniel Jones isn't leaving. John Mara, who owns the team, believes in Daniel Jones. Like, that's it. And guess what? If, da- if John Mara, and not only that, yeah. Heifetz believed in him last year and basically said to everybody, we failed this guy with the way we set him up with the prior coaches, with the prior offensive coordinators, talent, what have you. Now he has the, the year of his life during the playoffs to win a playoff game. John Mara is taking care of Daniel Jones. 100%. 100%. It's like, but also just, if he had the faith in Daniel Jones that he wanted Dable and uh, Brian Dable to test drive him in 2022, and they, they just had the season they had, to your point. 
John Mayer is not admitting defeat now. That's not how that's not how it works. I just I would be stunned. And honestly, if they did, it almost has proved to me that John Mayer has like extricated himself and is really letting Joe Shea and the GM make all the decisions. But they're going to keep Jones. And really, we don't have to get too far into like the contractual stuff. It's about how much money you guarantee. Because you can say, you can give him a, Taysom Hill on paper makes like 20 million a year. Taysom Hill doesn't make any. That's all fake money. It's, it's like monopoly money. What actually matters is how many, how many years are guaranteed, how much money are guaranteed. They give him $200 million. What matters is, is his salary guaranteed over the next two seasons or the next three? Because you give him a 10-year deal. Who cares? The point is, if you can extricate yourself in two years, it doesn't matter. So the counter-argument to all this is that $35 million a year, that's $2 million per touchdown pass last season. At the end of the day, like the Giants still had the easiest schedule in the NFL last year, basically. Squeaked into the playoffs, beat a team that everyone knew was a fraud in the Minnesota Vikings. And this season, like, if they just regress, everyone's going to be like, wow, Daniel Jones getting paid $35 million is not going to be at the same expectations as he did last year when he was, you know, the Giants were supposed to be awful. And so many people feel it's like, you know what, you don't do quarterback purgatory. It's better to go through hell and try to get to heaven. You, you deal with the, don't deal with Andy Dalton for 10 years. Go through the world of Tyrod Taylor so that you can get to it like a Justin Herbert or a Joe Burrow. But those people, it's so easy to say that in theory. It's like, dude, it's like a relationship. It's like, it's easy to say like, oh, well, I don't feel all the way in. But it's like, it's hard to leave. Like, what if you're just alone? You know what I mean? No one wants to be alone. That's a scary. That's a tough one. Because listen, we've seen organizations go through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. The Giants fortunately for your sake, have not really been one of those teams because you had Eli Manning yeah. for as long as you had Eli Manning. And listen, for every four of Rodgers, I can find you Denver post-Elway until they found Peyton Manning. Denver post-Peyton Manning where it's been a total shit show. My team, well, I hope they finally have the guy, but listen, three concussions, who the hell knows with him if he can stay on the field. The point being is, not every team has that perfect synergy, Heifetz. And I think from what I saw last year, I think there's another level that Jones can get to. Am I crazy to think that? Like, I'm not saying it's Josh Allen good. I'm not saying it's Patrick Mahomes good. I do think there's another level that Daniel Jones can get to as a player. I believe that. Yeah, I think that the thing with Jones, you got to remember, is like, this is the worst group of receivers I've ever watched this year. And like, no, I mean, they actually did. They actually overperformed, but. I mean, you're talking about Kenny Galladay was useless. Sterling Shepard, you know, he, he was out for the season. Wondell Robinson was out for the season. Kadarius Tony was, I mean, I, I mean, he's dead to me. And then, you know, Colin Johnson was supposed to be a part of this team. He was out for the season. You're talking about the number one, the leading receiver for the Giants this year was uh, Darius Slayton. They wanted to cut Darius Slayton in August, and they couldn't because people kept getting hurt. That was the leading receiver. Isaiah Hodgins was essential to them winning a playoff game. Isaiah Hodgins was on the Bills practice squad on Halloween. So, you know, on one hand, yeah, you know, it's Jones was probably better as a scrambler. Uh, but it's not his fault that Kenny Galladay was like 19 million a year, like a useless lump. It's like it, him with actual real receiving talent. This offense could get better. They couldn't have a drop back passing game for the middle two months of the year. They didn't have any wide receivers. I look at the market, though. My goodness, Heifetz, I tweeted this out earlier today. It is awful. No, I there's mean, no the free agent. agent no. wide receiver market is hideous. The idea that Jacoby Myers and Mac Collins is basically the second or third best receiver out there is all you need to know. 
Um, how are you addressing that position? Obviously, you got to see what happens with Saquon. You got to see what happens with Jones. So I know this is a little bit of a loaded question right now. Do you prefer, I'm going to give you two options. Would you rather go draft a guy in the first round or the second round, hope that he can go and be that guy moving forward for DJ? Or do you like following the Philadelphia model with A.J. Brown or the Miami model with Tyreek Hill or the Buffalo model with Stephon Diggs? Would you like to see the Giants go and get themselves a veteran wide receiver if indeed that guy's available? Poor K, no los dos. <laughs> Trade for a guy, get me a guy in the draft. Do both. They need both. It's like, I look, A.J. Brown, there's a reason teams keep doing this. The Eagles trade for A.J. Brown. He goes up a level. The Bills trade for Josh, uh, Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen goes up a level. Like Tua. Tua with Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill goes up a level. Like There's a reason teams keep doing this is if you don't have a superstar quarterback, really helps to have a superstar receiver. The Raiders' offense, Devontae Adams this year. The games where Adams, I mean, made Derek Carr look, I know they got rid of him, but like Devontae, is, they did the opposite. It's like the next Raiders quarterback has Devontae Adams. I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is that guy. Um, I wish that the Giants could pry Chris Godwin from the Bucs. I don't know exactly what they should do. But honestly, my dream, my fantasy, will you manifest something with me, JJ? Surely. Can we can we light some candles, get like a ring? I don't know. Like we just like like a Ouija board, like turn the lights down. I'm looking around. I might have a Ouija board. Maybe. Everyone listening, if you want to just, if you trust me, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, Ohio State, wide receiver. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. He had, uh, if I remember correctly, 900 yards in the Rose Bowl a year ago. His stats last year were terrible. He was hurt from like, literally got hurt in the first quarter. Hamstring injury, nagging all year. This kid's incredible. Garrett Wilson who on the Jets and Chris Olave on the Saints were, should have been 1-2 in Rookie of the Year. They I both mean, say that Jack, they're both saying Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, their teammate is better than them. Straight up. They've both said that he's a better receiver. Wow. Have they really? Yes. Wow, I did not hear that. He's wow. incredible. And he's not going to test off the chart. He's not going to like cr- crazy stats. This where, do kid is gets, where do you think he gets drafted? Out of he's curiosity. He's not super fast and he's not huge. He's not like a particularly big receiver. So there's a chance that he falls to the Giants. I, I would I I I I would I would do the Andy in Shawshank crawl through a river of shit to get out the other side if he could fall to the New York Giants. Okay. I like that. I want that visual. I will keep that visual. <laughs> yeah, sorry to give you that. That visual. is fantastic. Yeah, that's probably too much. No, I'm glad you did. That's what we do around here. We get down and do it. I expect that. Okay. So that is the 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 fantasy dream, the shit in the desert, in, in wherever. I'm I'll be crying in the rain right looking now. up at the moon. There you go in the rain. Close enough. I'm getting all sorts of uh you know I started Ted Lasso by the way. Oh my Proud God, JJ. Can where, you believe I wasn't watching it? I don't know why that just came up. Where are you in Ted Lasso? I'm at the end of season two. I just <sighs> watched the Christmas episode. What do you think of Ted Lasso so far? It's fantastic. It's feel good. It makes me like soccer, and I hate soccer. Here's the here's my pitch, my short pitch for everyone watching Ted Lasso, or if you haven't seen it. Ted Lasso, it's like this feel-good coach guy. You know, I, everyone knows the plot, right? Where it's like, you know, they hire this bitter woman See, I thought he played a British guy. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that he was doing this, like, yokel act. Like, I'm going to give the pitch. I thought he played a British guy. Do you mind if I give the pitch real quick? Give the pitch. This billionaire woman gets a soccer team from her husband in the divorce, and it's the only thing he loves. So she's like, I'm going to destroy this team to get back at my husband. And she hires a college football coach, Ted Lasso, to run the team as a joke to make her husband miserable, and he's good at it. 
but it's like kitschy. It's feel good. It's war- he's kitschy, feel good, and warm. And everyone's like, I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. And he wins them all over. And the point is, the show does that to you too. If you're sitting there like, I don't want a feel good show. I don't want to sit. The show, the reason it's so good is that it like takes it on as a challenge. It's like, if you don't like feel good, warm vibes, fucking bet. Like, we're going to get you, we're going to win you over. It is, it's a magic trick. It's unbelievable. I'm so glad I started it. So everyone, including you, who kind of like is like, JJ, you got to get on this. Let's go. I'm, I'm good. All you need to know is I started it last Friday. Hive, it's and I'm almost done. I, I can't get enough. It's perfect time. Middle of February. Nothing going on really in sports. Perfect time to do it. Uh, final one, buddy. You wrote a column a couple months ago about Aaron Rodgers yes. and the fit with the New York Jets. Well, Aaron Rodgers was in his dark hole. I, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know why he decided that was a good idea. But you don't do a darkness Aaron retreat Rogers. every year? No, I don't think so. JJ, no, I, I, don't think, I, don't do a, I don't do a darkness retreat for 15 minutes. What am I getting in this darkness That's more retreat? popular than Ted Lasso. Dude, everyone's doing darkness retreats these days. It's all the rage. It seemed like an Aaron Rodgers thing to do. <laughs> that's what it seemed like to me. I, I wanted to Weird, make fun of it, but I, I'm bizarre. on my phone too much. I, I, I mean, listen, if, it, if that's what you like, Heifetz, if that's <laughs> what floats your boat, more power to you, man. We all have our things. We all have something that we like. We all get a little weird in some way. Uh, me being in a darkness retreat, I can, Heifetz, if that happens at any point in my life and all my wits are still, you know, around me and a part of me, dude, I'll get you 10 Peter Luger's dinners. Seriously. Arguably, arguably, it's against the Geneva Convention. The darkness retreats. Is that so? Yeah, I mean, depending how you interpret it. Aaron. Cruel and unusual. Uh, so the darkness, the retreat, will that end with Aaron Rodgers holding up a jet jersey in less than a month? <laughs> uh, I, so, I don't want to toot my horn, but I have been first on the Aaron Rodgers of the Jets train. You were? I, That's why I brought it up. I will Give admit, the, the Jets telling Derek Carr they think he could be a Hall of Famer both makes me wonder about the Rodgers thing, but at the same time, if they let Derek, if they believed that, they wouldn't have let him leave. They would have just paid him. So, you know, kind of whiffs of horseshit that they think, you know what I mean? So, here's where it is. I think the Jets want Rodgers. I think the Jets know that he, he is, it, it makes sense for him, and I can lay out the case if you want. It makes sense to the team. It's up to Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's the thing. He doesn't technically have a no-trade clause. He spiritually has a no-trade clause because of how much money he's making. And he's a spiritual guy in darkness. And you know what? He's in a four-day year, a four day darkness retreat. The Jets have been in like a 40-year darkness retreat. So I feel like he might not have come out of this and been like, I want to be a New York Jet. The flip side is him going back kind of makes them tick out the clock on Jordan Love not unlike how Tom Brady made the Patriots tick out the clock on Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's the reason I felt the Packers wanted to move on. But <laughs> if Rodgers goes back, they're going to pretend it's all hunky-dory if he goes back to Green Bay, but it's not going to be awesome. Because then either Jordan Love has to leave or they got to get rid of it. It, 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 it. it will end up one way or the other. This is the cleanest opportunity they have. And I will be I think everyone will regret it if they don't separate now. Interesting. I do not think he will be a Jet. I think everything you detailed is fair. It's reasonable. It makes a ton of sense. I don't know Aaron Rodgers. He does not strike me as a New York kind of guy, Heifetz. I don't think, here's the thing. The Packers, the love, Packers listen, want it. 
I, I hope it happens. It'd be great for this podcast. It'd be great for content. Trust me. I hope it happens. I just don't see it happening. I think it's more likely he goes to the Raiders for what it's worth if he's leaving. I think he he is in control. And I I think you're probably right at this point. I think that, I mean, dude, I, I don't want to pretend to know what he's thinking. I think that uh, it's best for the Jets and the Packers, <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I just, he seems like a guy who just would hate New York. I just think he'd hate every moment of it. He would talk about it while yeah. he was in the Jets. He wouldn't pretend to like New York City. No, I, it does not strike me as a guy that would Where uh, would he live? Embrace. Where, would, where do you think Rodgers would live? Brooklyn seems too cliche. He can't go to Boston. No, Park too Slope. cliche. He, because Queens? the problem for him is the commute. No, the commute would be a disaster. He's not going to want to live somewhere where the commute would be a disaster. I don't see so Rodgers living in, in Hoboken, though. What about Jersey City? You think Aaron Rodgers is going to live in Jersey City? You want to go incognito? Go live in Jersey. <laughs> or you could just go well, get himself like a mansion do. where CeCe lives or where all these guys live and get to, get to Forum Park in, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, I guess he lives he in Los Angeles. He can build yeah. himself his own darkness retreat in one yeah, of those mansions out there. <laughs> if he wants, go right ahead. Uh, before we say goodbye, I have to mention this. So we're at the bar Friday night at the Super Bowl. Heifetz and uh, a couple of the other fellas, Danny Kelly, Craig, one of the greats. The movie question, I've oh, been asking yeah. everybody. So let me preface this. We're at the bar and I get put on the spot, literally on the spot. It's, was it four movies, Heifetz, or five? I think it was five. Five. You're on a deserted island, and you have five movies. They're the only movies you could watch. Uh, I might want a revision or two. I, I think I think you need a revision or two. You had a lot of overlap. Well, listen, I, Goodfellas on, no questions Goodfellas asked. on mine, too. Departed on, love it. I know they're similar. I know they're Scorsese. Want them both on, not hesitating on You him. want the Italian Goodfellas and you want the Irish Goodfellas. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. I, I, both stories are great for me. I want to laugh. Wedding Crashes is staying on. Nice. It's staying on. Um, now, four and five, this is where it got a little tricky for me. I gave out Finding Forrester. I'm sticking with that one. Wow. It's a deep cut. I love that movie. It's got a New York vibe. It's got Sean Connery. It's got Yankee Stadium. It's, I like school movies. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. The fifth one, I'm out on Saturday Night Fever. I thought about it. It's not a good enough movie. I like it. It's fun. It's not a good enough movie. Forrest Gump? Or do I go down like the, the comedy road again with like a super bad? That's the question. I think super bad. Super bad is timeless. It's so good. It's so good. I, I think super bad's a really good one. I think that's a wise... I think either one's a wise swap out for Saturday Night Fever. I think you would get... I agree. I mean, you're talking about like the Desert Island? It, I agree. I agree. I'm going to get sick of Tony Manero like, on the Verrazano Bridge. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent enough time on the Verrazano Bridge in a lifetime, Hyphen. Exactly. Way too much. Honestly, maybe the Desert Island's like off the... You could probably see it from the bridge. You're just somewhere in the middle. There is know. an island, actually, that's yeah. out there. I'll, I'll take a picture the next time I'm not driving. I'll, I'll think of you. All right, Hyphen. <laughs> Thanks for a couple of minutes. Uh, maybe uh, you'll be on a retreat with Aaron Rodgers. Is, is that being drawn up in the next No, we weeks? did it together. Darkness? No one reported that part. I was there. There you go. Insider info. Danny, I have, I have sources. Up the work, buddy. 
I know you do. Thank you. A lot of them. Hi, pal. Later. <laughs> shameless plug. Shameless plug. Ringer NFL Draft Show will be in Indianapolis next week for the combine. Check us out. Oh, you got to get me. Here's you have a you have a job uh, in, from me, and I'll compensate you. I don't know what what food, uh, you know, beverages. My uh, I don't know golf. I'll think of something. One, you got to get me a scoop on who the Jet quarterback's going to be. You have to come back with not even off on the air. You have to send me the text. This is what I'm hearing. So I feel like I'm plugged in and I look a lot smarter walking around New York City. The other thing you got to do for me, you got to go and get me an in with McDaniel because okay. somebody oh, asked easy. me this. Somebody asked me this the other day. They go, JJ, you could have somebody on the podcast. Who would it be? And then, you know, everyone's like, oh, Derek Jeter, you know, uh, all, all the illustrious people, Patrick Ewing, et cetera. I go, no, I want one interview right now. It's with that quirky med scientist. So uh, you see right. that. I'll, I'll get that, you Mike McDaniel's Five there. Desert Island movies. Yeah, find them out for me. Because then maybe I can <laughs> uh, I can reach out to Ann and get him on the podcast. They would take Perfect. care of that. So that's your job in Indianapolis. And I, I look forward to the coverage. Uh, it should be outstanding. Perfect. Thank you, JJ. All right, let's have some fun. Anthony Ramos, New Yorker in the Heights. Hamilton, he's got a new movie coming out, Transformers, Superstar. What's happening, bro? Hey, what's going on? What's so, going on? Are you enjoying? Have you ever done one of these like Radio Row NFL Super Bowl weeks before? No, it's my first one. It's my first one, man. So tell me through the experience. It's crazy. I mean, it's wild. You just walk in this room and there's everybody set up and everybody different tables and commotion and and you're walking past players like Gronk. Like I was like, yo, Gronk, what's good? I was like, let's do a movie together. He was like, yeah, you know. He was like, yo, I could uh. I could shape up. I could get with I was going to say, could... does he strike me as a guy that could work in, in your line of work? Bro, I think Gronk would be an incredible actor. Incredible. Bro. Okay. I think he, yo, he's so entertaining just as like a person that I, th I think he would crush it in movies. A hundred percent. All right. So you're a part of Hamilton. You're working with Lin-Manuel Miranda. I mean, you're a part of it. Was that like the holy shit? Like I'm a part of something that's like insane. I like it. Thinking about your career. Was that like the moment where you're like, I made it? When I when I heard the music to the to the show, that's when I was like, "Yo, this is crazy!" Like, oh, like I was like, "Yo, damn, this is different." And um, you know, and watching Lynn work, you know, Lynn Lynn is a genius, bro. Like, like, I, you know, people throw that word around a lot, but he genuinely is a genius. And and his collaborators like Tommy Kale, Andy Blankenbuehler, everybody that put the show together, those guys, those guys are brilliant, bro. So it was like watching them work was that was the moment where I was like, "Oh shit!" I think. Yeah, we here. We at the we in the big leagues. Like, you know what I'm saying? We ain't we ain't in the minors no more. And being a part of that night in and night out, man. Yeah. Like you it's like playing for the Yankees, dude. You know, Bro. like that's like the, the, the <laughs> creme de la creme of Broadway yeah. was that show. Like I wanted to go. I couldn't get a ticket. Yeah, All my yeah. buddies, you find somebody you're like, Yeah, I saw Hamilton. I'm like, How'd you get a ticket? How'd yeah. you pull this off? Like were you hit were people like like inundating you and like bothering you to no end, like, hey, I gotta go see the show? Yeah, no, yeah. You always get hit up for tickets and stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was every night, bro, it was sold out. It felt like I mean, you know, that 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 uh theater holds thirteen hundred people, but it felt like MSG, bro, sold out MSG every night. It was crazy, bro. Just loud. People screaming every night. It was wild. So then in the heights. Yeah. You're a part of Hamilton. Then you get a chance to be the man. Yeah. That's that's your baby, right? Like, yeah. do you, is that like going from being like the sixth man off the bench? You know, like you have a big role, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. you're hitting your shots when you're called upon. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're you're the lead dog. What's the difference? Yeah, I mean, the difference is like, you know, all I you know, all eyes on you. 
You know what I'm saying? Not all eyes, but most eyes are like, okay, that's the, you know, that's the dude we seen at the beginning. That's, you know, it was like carrying a movie, you know what I'm saying? But it was a, that's a, that's an ensemble piece. So, you know, my, like the, 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 my, my castmates are, are, are all incredible. Leslie Grace, Melissa Barrera. So I, I can't even really say I carried that film because I think we collectively, Corey Hawkins, like, like that, that's a crazy squad, you know? So, so. They, you know, I think we all supported each other in a way where we all made each other shine. You know what I'm saying? But um, but like that was that was a big deal for me, man, because cause I really got to I really got to show people what I could do as an actor. You know what I'm saying? I really got to, you know, we we had the moments for comedy, we had the moments of of uh you know of drama, you know, I was singing, I was dancing, I'm I'm doing, you know, I, I basically everything I could possibly do in one film. And um you know, and, and it was just, and we shot it in New York. It was really special. Right in your backyard. My mom is in it, you know, like my sister's in a dance sequence. We're dancing a few people away from each other in the opening number. Like, it was just special to 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 have uh, my first piece like that be that movie, you know, and, and uh, you know, and, and that be the thing that, you know, where people can really start to see me like, oh, yeah, now nah, this dude, okay, yeah, maybe he can lead a movie. Yeah, oh, yeah, this guy's like... He's not just the sixth man off the bench. You feel me? Like, yeah, we can we can put him in the three spot. We use that sports analogy around here in yeah, New York, yeah, New yeah. York. That's what we do around here, yeah, Anthony. Yeah. Um, for you, did you come from a background where theater and acting and music was a part of what you had growing up? Or is this something that you kind of just developed, like going to school? You're like, wow, this is something I want to do. Yeah, I mean, acting, you know, acting came when I was, you know, when I was a kid, bro. Like, uh, well, not like I, I, we used to do these improv kind of scenes for our family during like Thanksgiving and Christmas or nice. whatever. But it was, you know, it was that was that was always just like for fun. And I, but I really, you know, I started when I was 16. I did a, a musical in high school that I thought was a talent show. I had audition. I thought it was a talent show. Ended up being a musical. I get a lead role in the thing. And then they're like, yeah, so, you know, do you want to do it? I'm like, nah, this is crazy. It's mad lines. And then they're like, you know, uh, we really think you could do this. And I was like, all right, cool, man. So, I, you know, I, I did it. And, and that teacher, she's been like a, an angel in my life. She's one of my best friends still, one of my mentors. That's amazing to hear. You know, Sarah Steinwise. And, you know, and she like paid for my college application to the wow. school that I went to. That's she an helped, incredible teacher. Yeah, yeah. Helped me get a scholarship because I didn't have the money to get into the school. Like, vouched for me. Like, Jerry Seinfeld had a scholarship at the time. And she basically wrote them a letter like, yo, I know this kid's grades ain't good, but you got to just get like meet, just meet this kid. And they met with me, man. And they gave me a, you know, they gave me a scholarship. And I'm sure for somebody in your position, you're like, wow, I'm going to prove her right. I'm going to show her that she's making had, such a great decision. Yeah, I mean, you know, like she, you know, she, she, uh, she really, she, she, she vouched for me, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I didn't really want to let her down. Also, I didn't want to let myself down. Don't want to, you know, I still every day I got to make a decision to, you know, to, to keep doing it, keep working and keep hustling. You know what I'm saying? So uh, shout out to Sarah Steinweiss, who's also from Brooklyn. Also we love Brooklyn. Brooklyn connections. We love the New York yeah, connections. Yeah. Dude, how do you remember lines? Like I always act, oh gosh, I, I wonder bro. about this with actors and actresses. Like, listen, it's like studying for a test. Like, yeah, especially crazy. when you're on stage, man. Like it's one thing in the movies, you guys can have different cuts and hey, you don't remember a line, somebody could feed it to you. On stage, how do you do it, bro? I found a trick where I, I memorize lines before I go to sleep. I like that. Yo, I don't know what it is with my brain. I heard, I heard there's a thing with people's brains in general that when you memorize a song or memorize, because I, I do the same thing with music. If I got to memorize a song, I'll just do the shit before I go to bed. And like, like for whatever reason, I wake up the next morning and I remember. Even if I didn't remember it that night before, I did it so many times before I went to sleep that the next morning I'd be like, 
I, I'm studying them and I'm, I realize, oh, like I noticed more than I did yesterday, you know? Okay. So, but, um, so but, if I'm ever in a movie, yeah. which I wanted, that's like a bucket list thing for me. Maybe yeah. I'll be an extra. If you ever put a hey. film together, I'll be an extra New right. York guy. Hey, nah, skinny guy, loud. Nah, nah, I feel like I, I, I feel like you could have a role, bro. All right, you find me a role. Yeah, when yeah. you're like producing something in like 20 years, yeah, when yeah. that's like the next stage no, of your no, career. I'm producing stuff. I'm producing stuff oh, you're now. Producing yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A man of many talents. All right, so New Yorker through and through. Who are your squads? The Jets, the Mets. You're just and, a long-suffering, tortured uh, soul, then, huh? Bro. Yeah, you want to talk about torture? The, the, the Nets. Oh, 0 for 3. Bro. Kevin Durant, <laughs> my condolences. 0 for 3. You're 0 for 3. Uh, Not that the Knicks are much better, to be honest bro. with you, but my goodness. Oh, my gosh, bro. They're just, they're just trading them away, and I'm just watching it. I'm just looking at my phone. Updates. Kevin Durant in the Suns jersey. Kyrie in the Mavs jersey. I'm like, who's next? Ben just got there. Where's Ben going? Ben's leaving? Is ben, who's staying? Is anybody staying? You know, but um, uh, you know, I still love him. I'm still going to the games. So, who is your favorite? Like, when you think of like a New York athlete, who is like your favorite guy growing up? New York athlete. Dang. I mean, you know, my favorite player, one of my favorite players in the league, is Roberto Alomar, and he played for the okay. Mets, and and that was like he was legendary. a disaster with the Mets. He was a. <laughs> There's a Hall of Famer everywhere. And, he went. and Carlos Beltran. Him and Carlos Beltran, Beltran was a good player. Yeah, yeah, Beltran yeah. Beltran was a good player. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those maybe those two guys, but uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I loved Curtis Curtis Martin. You know, legendary for me. Um, and um, it was uh, it was a blessing when we had Kevin, and he's gone. I'm sorry to rub and salt into the wound. It's okay. I'm sorry to do that. <laughs> um, when you're in New York, how yeah. often are you in New York? I'm in New York. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty often. I was going to say, you can't leave the food, right? Like, I feel nah, like if bro. you leave, I'm here in Arizona for two days. Anthony, I already missed the food. Yeah, nah, New York, there's nothing like it, bro. You, you was talking about L&B earlier, so, too. So, yeah, you're a from new, new trick guy. Yeah. So, is that like a go-to spot after school? Bro, L&B is my spot, yo. Sarah, you know what's funny is actually Sarah Steinwise, my, my teacher, she... Brings me a box of LMB when we hang out every time in New nice. York. Nice squares, of course. Or squares, I, you know, and can't and, do the regular. You can freeze them here. for like a month at least. So I keep them in the in the fridge. When I come back, I come back to the crib. Some, you know, and and if I don't eat it all on that day, I'm like, yo, if I'm gonna be back in two weeks or whatever it is or three weeks, I know it's still gonna be good. You just throw it in the oven and it's still just as good, bro. It's crazy. It's sitting there waiting for you. Okay, New York City, one meal you can have. And there's so many great restaurants. Like, your last meal of your life. It's in the New York City. It's in one of the restaurants. Where is it, Anthony? Wow. If I got to eat at one last restaurant in New York City, it's this restaurant called Casa Adelas. This Puerto Rican restaurant in the Lower East Side. Crazy. Bananas. If you haven't eaten there... I got to go. You have to go there. It's, it's insane. What's the go-to order? I get. I mean, I get the rice and beans with chicharrones de pollo, but then they have this, like, pulpo salad. It's like octopus salad. And then I get the acapulia, bro, the, the, the acapulia. Oh, it's like man. traditional, You're making me hungry, yeah, dude. crazy traditional Puerto Rican food. It's amazing. Final one, Transformers. Movie's coming out. You stoked? Fired up? Transformers, man. June 9th. Like, we got a crazy cast. Yo, Dominic Fishback, who's also in, from Brooklyn. Pete Davidson in the movie. Peter, Pete Davidson? Yeah. What's it like working with that lunatic? Yo, he's fired, bro. We is met, he as funny as he is in real life? He is, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, we met. And what's his secret, by the way? I mean, yeah. what is his, I gotta know. Yeah. I gotta know. What is his secret? Because yeah, you wanna yo, talk Pete's about the it. ladies, man, bro. He's got it. He's got the Derek Jeter roster. Pete, Pete's got it, bro. I think, you know, Pete's, yeah, it's the same thing with the LMB sauce. You don't know what's in there, but you just know. There's something in there. There's something in there. Something, something. Pete's, uh, 
Pete's got that LMB, bro. I don't know. He's my man's doing it. He's killing it. But uh, he's and he's funny. a good dude. Yeah, he's yeah, he's su- super good dude, bro. Like I, he, he's he's a really really good dude, man. And and I'm happy. Just uh, I'm just grateful to be able to uh, be. This is we're actually in, uh, another movie together called Dumb Money that comes out next year. That, Look at you, busy you know, man. Which which we uh, you know we shot in New York, which was uh, in Jersey, but. Yeah, Pete's amazing, man. Uh, I got to visit him on 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 uh, his set recently of the show his show that he's shooting, and he's just a super cool dude, man. And and this movie's amazing, man. For all the Transformers fans, if you love Beast Wars and Optimus Primal and Cheetor and all, you know, I grew up watching that show. Like those characters, it's now a battle between the Maximals and the Autobots and the Terracons and the Predacons. We shot it in in Machu Picchu, and the movie's set in New York and in Peru, and. Uh, I, I just think this is gonna be uh, one of the most, you know, special Transformers anybody's ever seen. To be honest, dude, you're blessed, man. No, Continued thanks, success. Man. I I watched all of Hamilton. I wish I saw you on stage. I missed the boat on that, but the heights. I mean, Transformers. Yeah. I'm buying stock in you. Can I? Come, yeah, yeah. Can I buy stock in you? Sure. I'm in. Anthony Ramos. Go up with Transformers. All right. Yo, thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's welcome the New York. New York to me. One of the best kickers in the NFL. To me, he's a guy who's a Hall of Famer. It's not even close. Adam Venateri, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Um, does it feel like yesterday? Snowball? Yeah, Raiders? Because, no. <laughs> like, I was just telling this story a few minutes ago before you came on. We played our own snowball that day. I live in New York, you know, mm-hmm. Northeast. Yeah, absolutely. Miserable weather day. Played the game at noon. Games are on at 4 and 8. And I'm watching this scene in New England. I'm like, this is, it doesn't get more heavenly than that game, that scene, and what was it like, man, getting yeah, ready to kick yeah, in that it was, environment? It was crazy, honestly. I mean, before the game started, the snow started coming down. And there were, uh, the thing I can remember is just the biggest flakes you could ever imagine. Just And it just kept dumping and dumping and dumping and stacking up. And, you know, I thought, you know, it would be one of these situations where we're used to the weather. Pats are going to go out there and smash a team that's not used to that. They played really, really well. They, they were, did. They were winning they were, the game yeah, for the majority were, of it. For sure. And so, you know, it came down to the end, obviously, the whole tuck rule and all the craziness that came along with that. I just remember, you know, when Woodson sacked him or stripped the ball or whatever, and I'm thinking, man, the season's over. And then all of a sudden review and I'm, as it's going through, I'm like, I'm going to have to go out there and tie this sucker up. And, you know, like it's coming down to me at this point. So, um, yeah, I was, I was happy to have the opportunity. Can't believe I made the kick, to be honest with you. It was I was going to say, would you say that's the most significant kick you've made in your NFL career? It's definitely the one that I'm the most proud of in my entire career, because for sure. those conditions, yeah. down in the game, yeah. I mean, you think about everything that transpires with the Patriot dynasty. 100%. Adam, you missed that kick. Who knows what Who happens the hell after knows? that? Right? No, for sure. I, I do look back on that, and I kind of get goosebumps thinking about it, just going like, man, that was the first thing that catapulted, you know. I mean, we obviously had to beat Pittsburgh the next week and then beat the Rams the following week in the Super Bowl. But uh, you don't make that kick and you're cleaning out your locker and all that stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. Talk me through the mindset you have to have as a kicker because it's kind of like I hear Mariano Rivera talk about this all the time. You blow a save, it's on to the next one. I know it sounds cliche, I play golf, you know, you hit Although a bad Although Mario drive, Rivera you know? didn't blow very many saves. That no, dude he was didn't. like, Listen, like he was the man. But so were you. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Money in the bank. That's what I'm dealing with right now. How would you keep your mindset as sharp as it was so that you would approach a kick in the snow or a game-winning kick in Super Bowls yeah. to like, hey, it's what I'm doing in training camp? Well, honestly, I always tried to practice as difficult situations as possible. You know, some guys would be like, ah, it's raining out. I don't want to go out and practice in the rain. I'm like, 
that's when you make your money. You know, you're like, I, I don't want to go out in crappy weather. It's snowy or field conditions or it's cold or whatever. I'm like, if you can go out there and be successful and work through that and don't let it be a mental, like, oh, I can't perform in this. Because I don't know how many times kickers from other teams would come to New England back in the old Foxborough stadiums when it was grass, but not really grass. I mean, it was muddy and crappy and they're just, they're just filling the holes with sand and painting it green to make it look like there's grass. These guys would come there and they'd be like, dude, I don't know how, like they were already defeated and they, they weren't going to be successful. And I guess I can't say how much I appreciated the fact that Parcells and Belichick and all these guys made us practice in that, made it, made practice difficult. So then when you get into a situation where it's a difficult and there's lots of pressure and lots of stress on you, you can still perform under those conditions. So I, I guess that was kind of my thing. Like I never tried to shy away from the hard stuff, but, but I think like a guy like Mariano or one of these guys that are just so clutch in the hardest conditions, I think if you can practice, make practice more difficult than, than games, then I think at the end of the day, when you have to go out there in the game, you're a little bit more confident. You, you've been there, you've done it, you know, and it doesn't guarantee anything. But I think there's less of a mental side of it in that situation. Are you amazed watching these kickers now? And I know the technology is different. The workouts are different, but you were a part of it. You know, there was a time, a 50-something-yard field goal, that was, like, really, really impressive. Now, Adam, I watch these games, 56, 57, 60. All day long, yeah. They're throwing them like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. How, why did that become a thing with kickers? Is it just workouts, technology? Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. When I first got into the league, I remember if you were 75%, you're pretty good. You pretty know, good. you're keeping your job. Oh, yeah. If you're not over 85%, they're looking to replace you instantly, you know? And and if you make it or miss it at the wrong time, then it's that, you know, if you miss it, you know, in the end of the game, that's, they have a short leash for you at that, so to say. But yeah, no, I think, I think it's, it's amazing that, that guys are getting so much better. And, and I think it's honestly because, you know, 30 years ago, guys had other jobs. It was like a six month and then you're off to something else. And, but off-season stuff. There's no off-season anymore, it seems like. Guys are really staying fit, taking care of their bodies, really doing all the stuff that they need to and, and fine-tuning their skills. And I think that's why there's, I mean, anybody has a bad day. It happens where, you know, you misses happen, obviously. But it just seems like kickers are really, really good now. It's, all right, it's Who's your favorite one to watch, Tucker? Tucker's really, he's really good. Like, yeah, when I think he's, of the great kickers amazing. I've seen, he's and amazing. I'm not just blowing smoke, it's you. And it's tough. I like oh, my guy, Mari, because he was Cuse and yeah, I'm a Dolphins yeah, guy. He was yeah, a good yeah. kicker I liked back him in the day. too, yeah. We came but, in the same year, yeah. Wow, Lindo and I were the same, yeah. 1996, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, Tucker's your favorite to watch right now? Yeah, I think he's I think he's really, really good. Like, I mean, he's like, automatic, dude. Yeah, he, 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 he impresses me. And, and I, I can appreciate other guys that do. I think anybody that's in the league is good because you don't just, you don't just fall into the league unless yeah. you've put your time in. But he is a, he's the... He's a step above. I think Robbie Gould, he's a friend of mine. He's an older guy. I, I respect He's a pro, man. He's, he's been really around a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was in camp he with me. He was kicking against you in the Super Bowl with Indy, right? Was he with Chicago at that point? Yes, he was. Isn't yes, that crazy? Yeah. Still at Small it. world. Yeah. So a small world. You know, so I look at these guys, and I, I've got a huge admiration for a lot of them, but I just think, yeah, I think when you talk about guys like Tucker and stuff, they're, they're next level. I think they're really, really good. It's pretty cool to say, right? Like, you were a part of that Patriot dynasty. You go and win the three there, and then you go to Indy. And let's be real, Adam. They were the team that couldn't get over the top. They were the team that couldn't get over the hump. How weird was that for you? Like, you're a part of the Patriot-Colt dynamic. You're on the winning side. Then you go to the Indy side, 
And you were part of beating the Patriots. That must have been cool. That was maybe one of the most fun games I've ever played in is that AFC Championship game when I was with the Colts. And I just so badly wanted to win that game and watching what it meant for the Indianapolis organization, knowing what it meant for the ta- the city of Indy. Like, like because you're right. I mean, for every year, for 10 years, it seemed like we, it would be those two teams and we would end up beating them in the championship game or divisional round or whatever it was. And and for the, for, for the Colts to be able to win that game and kind of get the monkey off their back, so to say, when we went to Chicago, when we played Chicago in the Super Bowl, it almost felt like the Super Bowl was the Patriot game. Were you and worried was, about a little bit of a letdown there? I know maybe not for Peyton and the guys in the locker room, and I know it's the Super Bowl, but like I've seen it. Yankees, Red Sox, they win in 03. Felt like something was off maybe in that World Series. But I think for that team, they had a win, you know? Yeah. I don't think we were overconfident. We were just really con- – like, we just knew if we played our game, we're going to beat these dudes, you know? So, I think – I don't think it was an arrogant thing. It was just a – sounds dumb, but it was just a matter of fact. Like, hey, we know if we do our stuff, they can't they can't hang with us. But then we kick it to Devin Hester, and he takes it back for a touchdown on the first play of the game. We're like – well, that's not how we're supposed to start. So we didn't kick it to him the rest of the game. Right, like, that was a wise, wise decision. Keep the ball out of his hands and don't let him touch it again, and, and then we'll win. <laughs> wise, so, very yeah, wise. Yeah. I say Adam Vinatieri, to me, we're talking about this. Tell the story of the NFL. You're kicking a Super Bowl against the Rams, a couple of game-winning Super Bowl kicks, the one in the snow. There aren't a ton of kickers in the Hall of Fame. To me, you're one of those guys that should be there. I appreciate Is that it. something you've thought about? You know, obviously now looking back on my career since I've been been out of the league for a couple of years, now I kind of have a little nostalgia. I never allowed myself to really reminisce and think too much of the past. I'm always about like, how can I get better and how can I maintain and how can I do the, you know, how can I make this next year an impact year and how can I help my team win? Now that I'm done, I can kind of look back at some of those experiences and re- and kind of relish the, the, what, what we went through. And, you know, and I talked to some of the guys from the early years and like, Hey, how you guys, like, I, maybe that's just because I'm getting older too, but I appreciate what these teams did. And so I, I guess I look back on my career a little bit too, and appreciate the experiences that I had going through it. And, you know, I hope, I hope when the time comes and I'm eligible, I hope they feel like I'm worthy of being in there, but you know, that's, that's for uh, some guys to decide. It's Listen, not if I had a vote, you're in. Well, thank you. Easy I appreciate call. it. Yeah. Final one. You're helping our buddy Gronk out. DiGiorno, kick a destiny for Gronk on Saturday. Yeah. What do we got going? Oh, absolutely. So, the two different things. Absolutely. The DiGiorno thing is completely a separate thing. Okay. They're, they're doing You're a busy man this weekend, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. But okay. The DiGiorno thing, it's uh, any during the game, okay. if, any, if any kicker kicks an extra point field goal, doinks it off the upright or the crossbar. As long as uh, people have visited DiGiornoDoinks.com and signed up, registered, free pizza for, for whoever does well, it. I if like there's a doinker, a, too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that the doink actually hits and goes in. Because you root for the kickers always. 100%. I, I know how it feels to miss. It sucks, especially on this stage. I'm I'm rooting for all of them to make all their kicks. But in this particular situation, good for everybody. Go ahead and kiss it off the upright, but make it go in. So everybody gets pizza and have a good have a good run. And how are we helping Gronk? Well, that that uh, well, you know what? He is an exceptionally good athlete, but kicking is a different skill set, 100. So he, when we when we did the commercials and lined everything up, I was coaching him up and. He's, he had a little work to do, but he is also a professional, and I think uh, I think he's been practicing these last couple months. I, I think he's going to make it. I do. I, I hope so. He's representing FanDuel. He's representing me. Every I don't want the I don't want the phone calls from my buddies. You going, don't want hey, the brand. You're a crappy coach, man. You didn't make. So I think he's going to make it. I hope he does. It's going to be awesome. Adam Benatari, thanks for a few minutes. Pleasure to have him. Thank you.
this is going to be a fun spot because Bob Parsons has a background in something that is near and dear to my heart, which is manufacturing golf clubs, doing so at a high level, transforming embarrassing golfers to guys who can be like adequate, who they could go out and make a name for themselves. This guy made a name for himself. Go daddy. Uh, he is what you call a media mogul. Bob, th- welcome to New York, New York. Thanks for taking a couple of minutes. Uh, it's good to be in Phoenix, Arizona. How are you, my man? Oh, it's good, but I, I got to jump in. You left out the most important thing I've ever done. And that is United States Marines. Amen to that. And considering that my uncle lost his life in Vietnam back in the 1960s, shame on me for not starting right then and there with that. We thank you well, for your service, my friend. Thank you. Oh, my, my pleasure, and God bless your uncle. Uh, thank you for that. Let's get to it, Bob. We're in Phoenix. This is like golf haven here. Scottsdale, like, I- I'm a guy that loves golf, and I'm not particularly good at it. But for you, what kind of launched this passion to get involved with the idea of manufacturing and the idea of transforming the golf game? And what kind of led you to kind of pursuing this uh, with everything you've done throughout your career? Well, I've, I've done a lot of things that a lot of startups. My first was Parsons Technology. I, I had 40,000 in it, sold it for 64 million. I started GoDaddy with, uh, with uh, uh, half of the money that I had from uh, uh, Parsons Technology when I sold it to Intuit. Uh, and I had half the money because my wife and I hit the crossroads, her idea. And um, uh, I came damn near close to going broke with that, but I, but I made a few billion dollars. And then my next startup was PXG. And and I, I did that because I just loved the game. And I thought, you know what? If, if you were able to take the time and, and spend the money and have the right people, you could do some pretty outstanding stuff in this game. And, and I was, I've been a golf aficionado like you for quite a long time. And, um, and I, what I would do is, since I didn't have a lot of time to practice, I would always buy equipment when it came out. And I mean, I spent a lot of money on equipment stuff. And I, I, I spent a couple hundred thousand a year. Matter of fact, um, the, the media, when I, I first told them that when I launched PXG, you know, they said, that's not possible. I started counting and adding up invoices for that year. This is 2013, and, and I, or it might have been 2015, but the year before, I, I quit counting at three hundred thousand. I mean, I bought I bought everything, and I could tell you what worked, what didn't work. Most of the things did not live up to their claim, um, and um, so anyhow, that's I decided to uh, get involved in this. I had Mike Nicolette, who worked uh, was a senior engineer with Ping, um, and uh, he and I got together, and you know, I asked him, Mike, do you think you could develop? some outstanding golf clubs, right? Much better if you had all the time you wanted and all the money you wanted. And he said, well, I sure like to think so. And uh, so Mike joined me and some other engineers did too. And uh, we went to work. Uh, first, we, we had a one year, uh, we couldn't do anything because they had a, uh, an agreement not to compete, which is enforceable. Uh, in, in Arizona, the agreement was with Peng. So we had them do all sorts of things. And then um, 
then they we we went to work and designed our first clubs and uh, you know it took a while for us to 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 get to where you, you know our clubs uh turned out to be and one day they came to me and they said bob we've had a breakthrough what a breakthrough it was and that was gen one pxgo 311 irons speak to the casual golf fan out there in what getting fitted and the right technology can do for you as a golfer. Because, you know, Bob, I was talking about this with my dad, who has gotten back into the game after a 40-year hiatus, believe it or not. You know, had kids, work, couple of jobs. But now, you know, that's our thing. We play once a week. And I was trying to explain to him the difference if you get fitted and you get the right technology for how your swing is compact and how clubs are fit to you. How can the right club transform the scratch handicap, but then the guy who's the, you know, Azure Johnny come lately playing in his, uh, his Sunday rec league. How much can that transform you as a golfer? Well, well, quite a bit, you know, you know, most, most, most people are playing with clubs. They shouldn't even be swinging because they're not made for their swing. Oh, Bob, I uh, can tell you when I first started playing golf and I took it up and I had no idea what I'm doing. I still really don't have any idea what I'm doing, but I bought clubs and I had no idea because, you know, you see a brand that I'm like, oh, Titleist AP2s, Titleist. You know, you see it on all the hats, you know of the brand. Yeah. My uncle is a golfer. He's like, Jay, what are you doing swinging these clubs? These clubs aren't for you. These are for, you know, a real skill, the real savant in golf. There's something to that. But like a lot of casual folks out there, Bob, they don't know that, right? There you go. Well, you know, one of the things I'll tell you, my, you know, my smile. <laughs> You know, my uh, second wife, uh, you know, after, um, after after we got married, she says, you know, I, I, I have golf clubs and I'd like to play. She shows up. She's got a set of small Mizuno blades. Uh, she can't even she can't even get them off the ground. Uh, can't even hardly swing them. So any anyhow, I mean, the deal was we got her some clubs that that were more in line with what she should be using. And, and you know, what a difference it made. And and so so you're right. I mean, it is uh, it's it's all about being fit. It's like wearing the wrong shoe size, right? I mean, it, it's, it's you you're not going to run your best. What do you pride yourself in with your clubs and what you've brought to the table with this technology? What has allowed you to perfect the art of building a golf club? Well, a couple things. First of all, uh, the, the the best thing that we do. And we think we do it, you know, certainly as good as, and, and we, we like to think better than anyone else, is to do a custom fitting for an individual. And, uh, you know, usually takes an hour or two. And uh, I, I posted a uh, uh, our, our fitting ad. We just did an ad about how customers love our, our, our custom fittings. And I was stunned at how many replies we got that none of them negative, all of them tell me what a fantastic experience it was. You know, and, and one of the complaints we hear a lot is my game is not good enough to be custom fit. Well, your game will be so much better when you do get custom fit because you you will be uh, using equipment that is uh, that compensates for, you know, parts of your game that that's not the best. And uh, so so that's we're very proud of. The other thing we're proud of is, is we think no golf clubs perform 
the way ours do. Certainly not the Irons. Uh, and uh, the rest of our clubs are also, you know, just outs- outstanding. And one of the things that, that we do, Stefan, is we do not release a golf club unless it is noticeably and significantly better than what we've released before. So we just don't release something to release it. And um, uh, that is uh, something that I'm very proud of, that, we, uh, that, that we've made it a point to do. And uh, so far, even though, you know, there's times when it seems like, how the hell are we going to make this any, any better? Um, you know, I tell my engineers, if you say you can't, the moment you say you can't, you're right. Uh, but uh, so I say we, we need to just look and look and look. Don't be pressured. Let's just find and start with the small things. And they say, Bob, what do you want to improve? And you don't want to tell them everything. <laughs> I like the sound of that. And never settling. Listen, in business, in golf, in life, Bob, that's going to treat you and take you a long way. There's no doubt. I know you're a big football fan. I tell you there's an opportunity to get involved in an ownership group if that ever were to become available. Is that something you'd like to say? I mean, listen, if you have the money and you have the means and you know the right people, of course, right? Like, I know I'm answering my own question, but... How much would it mean to you to somehow, some way, get involved with owning an NFL team? Well, here's the deal. I have one golden rule in every business business venture that I do. No partners. Okay. So, so you don't want yeah, to partner no up with partners. anybody if you own a team. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, yeah because, you know, a, a lot of the stuff, the, the way I do things, it's very eclectic. And it doesn't look like it makes sense at first, but it always seems to come around. and. Um, uh, people that work with me even have a hard time seeing it, but uh, you know, I do things differently. And you know, if 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 you have you have a group of partners and you want to do that sort of thing, well, good luck to you. You might be able to, you might not. Uh, so you know, that is something that uh, I just have had that as a rule throughout uh, all my businesses, and I've I've never regretted it. I've never said, "Gee, I wish I had a partner." Um, All right, fair enough. Well, so you're not looking to partner on anybody. Okay. But individually, is this something you're thinking about down the road, getting involved in NFL ownership? Well, at at the moment, no. I'm not I'm not thinking about it. I was thinking about it one time. I you know, I was kind of interested a little bit in in Cleveland when they went so so long without winning a game. I mean, you know, that's the type of thing I like to get involved in. Uh, but, uh, you know, different club now and, um, yeah, you know, it's just, no. So, so I'm going to say I'm, I'm not going to, uh, ever own an NFL franchise. Oh, you know, even though I thought about it once, but I also say, I also said once I'd never get married and, uh, well, you know how that goes. I understand that. Um, you have a favorite NFL team, uh, Baltimore Ravens. And the reason is guess where I'm from. Charm City. <laughs> I'm from Charm City. You got it, buddy. There you go. There you go. Um, so you're from Baltimore. Who is your favorite Baltimore all-time athlete? Let me guess. Brooks Robinson? Uh, well, that's for baseball. Brooks Robinson, I, 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 I liked him. I liked uh God, I liked Poop Powell. I mean, I mean, all those all those guys. And um uh Hoyt Wilhelm, I remember him way back when with the knuckleball with uh, 
Fernandez had to have that huge mitt. <laughs> that thing was all over the place. I mean, I liked I liked all those guys in football, without a doubt. Ray Lewis and Jonathan Ogden. Oh, those were stud teams. That documentary on the 2000 Ravens. I don't know if you've checked it out yet. I mean, that defense, and I'm not a Giant fan, but I remember that Super Bowl well against the Giants. Bob, they didn't have a fighting chance against that Raven defense, man. They beat the you-know-what out of them. Well, you know, that's okay. I understand French. (laughs) Well played. Well played. For anybody who's looking to get involved in the golf fitting game, tell us one more time why your clubs, your brand is is where it's at. Well, well, first of all, the clubs themselves are outstanding. We, we, We have different models of them. Uh, they are, uh, the number we give them is 0311. And the reason we call them 0311s, that's, that's with the tip of the hat to the Marine Corps. Uh, I was an 0311 in Vietnam, a rifleman. And, uh, that they, they give that number. They sign that, uh, every job. Um, so anyhow, so we named them 0311s and, um, uh, you know, we will have some clubs to fit you, even if. You're brand new. You're brand new to the game, or you just play once in a blue moon. We've got clubs you'll be able to hit. I like the sound of that. Uh, you may have to get me some lefties shipped to New York at some point. I may have to come in for a fitting to get my game to the next level, Bob. I like the sound of that. Well, you 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 know where we are. I do know where you are. Listen, continued success. Thank you for a couple of minutes, uh, Bob Parsons, the founder, the CEO, PXG, Go Daddy lived a very interesting life. Uh, I appreciate a few minutes. Continued success, all right? All right. Thank you. Thank you, brother. All right. Before we say goodbye, a uh, lot, lot to chew on there. A lot to chew on. Radio Row, I mean, second year in a row, it's been an absolute slam dunk for us here at New York, New York. So uh, we'll try to make it three for three next year. Um, but good stuff all around. Stefan was great as always. Can't thank him enough. I mean, listen, it's the Zen master. He is the Zen master for this show. He is like the energy that keeps him moving. So Stefan always on his game. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, Friday. I don't know where you're going. College basketball, NBA, NHL. I don't know what you're doing these days, Jeff Money. What do we got? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks will be for Friday the 24th. I got three plays, two in college basketball, one in the NBA. College basketball money play. I'm going to go with James Madison, minus the 12 and a half over Georgia State. I'm going to take Marshall, minus the four, over the Old Dominion. And in the NBA, I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns, minus the seven and a half, over the Oklahoma City Thunder. Again, three plays. Money play, I'm going to go with James Madison, minus the 12 and a half. Marshall, minus the four. And in the NBA, I'm going to take the Phoenix Suns, minus the seven and a half. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. Um, there actually is a decent college basketball game tomorrow night because Fox is now getting involved with their doubleheaders. So they got a little primetime hoops on Fox, or is this FS1? Fox Sports 1. I, I don't care. Xavier Seton Hall is a decent game tomorrow night. Xavier, who's been good to me, only laying a point and a half against Seton Hall, that stinks. So that'll be my college basketball play. Hopefully it goes better than the East Coast buys one with Ohio State. Oh, my God. They suck. Larry, I hope you're listening. They are terrible. They're almost as bad as Syracuse. Almost. Almost as bad. But I will play Seton Hall and Shaheen Holloway and his boys trying to stay relevant on that NCAA tournament bubble. They're on the outside looking in, but maybe could play their way in. 
they got a couple weeks to do so. And they got some decent wins. So I'll take a I'll take a stab with Seton Hall plus point and a half. All right, we're back Sunday. Uh, a lot of basketball to react to. We'll see if there's any news on the quarterback front, Giants and their guy, Jets, and who is going to be coming to town. Calm before the storm. And hopefully no shenanigans in spring training this weekend, please. Just hope everybody's in one piece. Good job by Stefan. We're back Sunday. Enjoy your weekend. JJ out. Be good, everybody.